Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. It's, it's not every day that we have the honor and the uh, privilege of having, firstly, a gold medalist, Olymp- Olympic medalist, and uh, a world champion sitting across the table uh, from me. So, Brianna McNeil, it's an honor and a pleasure. Welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. So, it's interesting. I was thinking as I was driving to the studio today, one of the reasons that was the catalyst to me starting this, uh, this podcast was people go through tough times in life. Everyone has bumps in the road. And I was thinking that you, someone who better than, better than almost anyone on the planet has overcome and, and has surmounted hurdles, literally surmounted <laughs> hurdles, um, as a, a world champion, um, 100-meter hurdle um, athlete and as the recipient of the gold medal. But I always try for the sake of our listeners to get, uh, you know, for them to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your your beginnings, the way you grew up, and how early on, sort of growing up as as a kid, did this dream of achieving the highest possible level in athleticism um, started started being entertained by you? Okay, growing up, I played sports around the neighborhood with a lot of the kids. Um, I always would race a lot of the kids on the street and. People always tell me, you're so fast, you should run track. So I thought about it when I was in middle school. I didn't do it, and then I um, got, in, got into high school, and then I actually joined the team. My high school coach, at first she didn't want me to because she's like, who are you? And like, do you even know anything about this sport? I really didn't. Oh, wow. But um, as I continued to train and I actually out-train a lot of the girls that you know, have some background in track and field as a youngin. I was good. And she just, she asked me like, why didn't you ever run track before? And I just couldn't have an answer for that. I think that things happen in its, in its time and sure. when it's supposed to happen. So ever since then in high school, I just continued to run. I got a, co- a scholarship in college and I went to Clemson University. Yep. Excellent. And from there, I battled a couple injuries. And I think back in my junior year is when I realized that I could be really good. Yep. And it was the first Olympic trials I've been to in 2012. And I placed six. At, at the age of how old were you at the time? How old was I? I think I was uh, 20. And that, in terms of sort of the the bell-shaped curve of people who become Olympic gold medalists, is that considered young? Is that middle of the road? Is that... Uh, I think it's pretty young as a track and field athlete, yep. but because a lot of the times the, the veterans are the ones to, you know, sure. get the gold medals and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, that year of, of 2012, I realized that I can run with these women and I started to take, take things a lot more seriously. Yep. And then 2013 is when I had won my first world championship and I broke the American record. And ever since then, track and field has been everything to me. So walk us through that. It's 2013. It was the World Championship in Moscow, if mm-hmm. I understand correctly. Yeah. 
as you, I guess, walk out onto the track, I'm assuming there's a ton of people, there's a lot of adrenaline, there's, how, how, do, how, do, how does a person with that kind of pressure and that, how much of it at that point is physical or mental and, and how do you make sure that you sort of don't lose it in terms of, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a, you, you know, in other words, psych yourself out. Um, I think that since I was having such a great year, my confidence level was really high. And um, by the time I got to the world championship, I was undefeated. No one never, no one beat me that year. So I was wow. feeling really great. And I just knew that if I continued to do the things that I've been doing previously, that I can come out with the gold medal. And that's exactly how I raced. So walk us through the race itself. 2013 Moscow. Um I guess the lineup, the gun goes off. I'm always amazed <laughs> at just the level of adrenaline and you know how you how you uh, sort of balance the right amount of adrenaline and not uh, not too much, and then really stay in the zone and don't get psyched out. But you know, the the, the athlete to your left or your right. Honestly, this race might be my f- my favorite race of my career because I actually started from behind. I didn't you know, react to the gun like I usually do. And I was racing from the back and it wasn't until the last three hurdles when I started to pick everybody up and I finished and ran across the line. And it was, I beat one of the best hurdlers in the world, Sally Pearson, and it was such a great uh, moment for me. And it was my first world championship. And to get the goal, I was just extremely grateful. And the next day was my birthday. So I awarded myself (laughs) with a gold medal. (laughs) What, what What a cool birthday present. Yeah. How how did you feel? I mean, if the gun goes off and everything I read about you is, you know, you seem to have an incredible start. So if you obviously didn't have your usual start and, you know, in a millisecond you look up and it seems like the competition is whizzing to your left and your right, how do you, how do you not say, okay, I've lost this, forget it, next race? Uh, I think I just continue to just stay in my own lane, you know, like yep. I said, I stayed in my lane and I just focused on each hurdle at a time and I was able to be consistent and persistent throughout the race. And I was able to, you know, use my talent and the hard work that I've put in throughout that year to finish and get the gold medal. So, yeah, just being able to focus on myself and not worry about who's to the left and the right with me, of me what got me to um, win that race. So it's if, I, if I'm correct, Brianna, the, almost your entire professional career as an athlete, social media has been around. Uh, or is it more the last few years? Yeah, I think it started out. I think it was like the beginning of my my career when it kind of when I got into it. I, got I'm into pretty it. sure it was more around more, but right. it was more so when I got into it. Yeah. So here's my question: How is social media puts a person outside of the track into the as a public persona? And people start sort of getting a sense of you outside of the track. Two questions, I guess. How does that, how does it add pressure, mm-hmm. if you will? And, you know, how do you deal with, you know, now, now that I guess your profile increases outside of even athletic circles and, you know, people recognize you or people, how does that pressure impact your ability, as you say, to stay in your lane? Um, honestly, I don't like social media, <laughs> but I try to not like, 
um, compare myself when I'm on there because I right. think that those kind of things can be very distracting. Yep. And um, yeah, I just try to, you know, continue to stay in my own lane, like you said, and just not worry about where someone else's journey is just yeah. because my journey, just because they're in some one place, that doesn't mean that I need to be in that journey. We all have our own journey. And I think that sometimes we forget about that and we try to compare and we yep, yep. start to feel like, oh, I'm... I'm not where I want to be just because you're looking at someone else's post. So, uh, yeah, I just try not to like, I try not to be on there too much, honestly. And I try to make sure I, the things that I am following is something that's going to, um, feed my soul and my spirit and not, you know, take me somewhere else that I want to be. No, that that makes a lot of sense. But I would imagine so much of your, just your day to day time is spent training or in the gym how's that how does that impact your your social life and trying to keep a balance and stay normal you know um training can get very hard and i'm always pretty tired but i'm a homebody so i don't really do too much um i just train i go home i relax watch some tv and that's pretty much it i don't really do too much outside of um that i may hang out with my training partners over the weekends but that is about it i don't really indulge in much but it seems to me that a person at your level um, or any athlete who's at a world-class level, ev- you know, every morsel of food that you put in your mouth, you have to be sensitive to. Yeah. Um, being around people that might be, you know, smoking, whatever that could impact you. Do you feel like you have to be like sort of hyper vigilant, you know, all the time, and it's very hard to chill? Um, no, I don't. I don't find myself um, hard to relax. I. Yeah. Make sure I surround myself with people that are going to um, increase my good karma, good yeah, spirits. Yeah, just just hang around the right people. I won't have to worry about things like yeah. that. So, take us to Rio, two thousand and sixteen. Okay, so it's the night before the race. Mm-hmm. Firstly, how in heaven's name <laughs> does a person, you know, fall asleep and just walk through the motions of going to the stadium with you know this is this is everything you've worked for. It seems it seems a tremendously taxing thing on one's psyche. Yeah. Um, again, I, I mean, I'm I have a lot of faith, and I just continue to you know keep my faith first throughout my journey of in track. Because I feel like without God, I wouldn't be where I am. And um, that's amazing. Yeah. So just having that whole aspect and actually keeps me moving forward to be honest because track and field can be very very hard mentally more than physically mm-hmm. um so uh yeah just having that faith to carry me through it just it helped me throughout that whole entire year to be honest i mean i can say i do this myself but i've always interested in, in someone at your level i'm assuming before every race you pray yeah mm-hmm. and is, is it something that is your own words from your heart or is something like it's a set sort of structured prayer or is something that's just, you know, obviously it's your connection with, you know, this obviously the, the, the being that has obviously control over what's going to happen in the next, uh, in the next few seconds. So for me, I feel like whatever I need in that, that day, in that moment, that's, that is what I'm praying for. And that could be different every single race. So um, my prayer isn't, uh, something that is repetitive or yeah. ritual. It's just something in that moment, whatever I need that day, that's what I pray for. And just, you know, have hope and yeah. know that God in that moment will be with me in that time. 
do you think that you could have achieved this level of uh, of success and have you know you seem to be a very balanced um very normal person you married you which is such a i think so refreshing as a role model mm. um if you didn't have the spiritual side of you if you if, do you think that you could have ha- you know been able to keep this balance if you want like a god centered person um honestly i don't probably not honestly yeah. i feel like when i find myself like you know drifting away that's yeah. when things become a little bit difficult a lot clouded yeah, yeah. and confusing so yeah, and I grew up in in the church, so oh, I think that up? yeah, I think that, that that has always been my background. I didn't actually uh-huh. have a relationship with God myself until college. Right. But um yeah, I think that if I didn't have it, I'd probably mm-hmm. be out here struggling. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, or just confused. No, I, I speak to people like all the time and I, I just if that you know, if the idea of some greater being is not in their life, I, I it, it boggles the mind how yeah. the, you know Mm-hmm. How they sometimes get through hard times, and mm-hmm. okay, so let's go back to Rio 2016. Walk us through just the sequence of events from the time you got up, the stadium. You know, I think people are so intrigued. You know, by you know anyone who reaches uh, uh, any world landmark like this, take us through if you don't mind, just sort of the uh, the events that happened as you and and how and how they unfolded on that incredible day. Okay, so um, yes, yeah, the finals that the day of the finals, my tr- my teammates who were right bes- in, in the race with me for right. representing America, we all came together and we prayed together. Actually, that's amazing. And um, yeah, and ever since that day, ever, ever since after that, we just kind of like went with the flow of everything. And of course, my nerves were like super heavy. I don't think I've ever been that nervous for a race imagine. before. But um, I think that I just we just knew that we could do it. So after, you know, having that moment of prayer and getting ready for the race, um, we all lined up to the we lined up for the race and we ended up sweeping that race. It was a clean sweep, right? Yeah, it was a clean sweep. So I think that um, that's unbelievable. It just yeah, I think it was just everything was just aligned right for us. So was there competition between the three women with you know gold, silver, bronze? Was there competition between the three of you guys? Um. I mean, it's always a competition when you're stepping on the track, but yeah. I think that when you know who you are, yeah, yeah. you don't try to compare yourself and yep. you just kind of like trust in your training, you trust in the process and just go along with it. So at what, it's amazing. So that was a historical clean sweep. Mm-hmm. At what point, at what point in the race did you, did you, at, at some point you must've felt, I got this. <laughs> it must have been such an amazing feeling that this is, it's gonna, this, everything I've aspired to this dream is actually going to be actualized. I guess I would say after the last hurdle, you know, because you don't want to get too distracted and then you hit a hurdle and then you kind of mess up. So when I get off the last hurdle and I run to the line, I, that's when I kind of knew. Like I knew that, yeah, we, we got it. How 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 sensitive are you in your peripheral peripheral vision of who's to your left and right? I mean, I, you, I, I watched the race before, the, before you came to the studio and I, you're not looking left and right. No. You, you can't. I mean, that's... No, 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 no. So how weird. I mean, it always amazes me. And it's clear when you crossed that right line, you went nuts, which clearly was just this rush of you knew. Mm-hmm. But without looking to your left and right, it's just at, you, you're so highly tuned that your peripheral vision gets a sense of, okay, I know that I crossed the, the line yeah. before anyone else. Yeah, it kind of brings me back to the actual Olympic trials when I um, I won the Olympic trials. And um, as soon as I got off that line, I just immediately celebrated. I'm sure. Because <laughs> I knew I, was, I made the team. That's amazing. But um, 
you can actually feel someone next to yeah, you. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, you don't have to see them. You can feel them. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Were the, the, the other American athletes to your left and right? Because it looks like you... No, they weren't. They weren't. At the, the lanes? No, no, yeah, they were on the own lanes. How does it... How does it uh, again, excuse my ignorance. How does it work at the final race as to who gets the sort of the, the middle lanes as opposed to the far lanes? Uh, so it's based off of uh, your like if you win the the, the second round okay. and based off time too. So um, when you get if you win a heat, you get the favorite lane, which is the middle lanes. So generally, the middle lanes are the folks that the favorite lanes that people yeah. expected expected to win. Yeah. The okay, so there you are. You snap, and you knew instantaneously. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and I, I just—it it seemed that you, you guys were so happy for each other. It yeah, was, that's what it, it was like. In a, a uh, it's a, just a beautiful moment in time. Yeah. How how did it evolve, uh, Brianna? That that hurdles, or at least the hundred meter hurdles, became your race. Did you ever, as you know, you started realizing that clearly you've got God given talent, you've got the right temperament, that that was going to be the race. How, how, how did that happen? Honestly. When I was in high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Yep. I just was out there running. And then um, I was watching one of my teammates, and I was like, that looks so cool, like a hurdler. <laughs> and I asked my coach, I'm like, can I be a hurdler? And she was like, yeah. And ever since then, I have became a hurdler. Is, is, isn't, I mean, I, one of the things that I read is that it seems to be one of the most difficult physical feats. It's just, you're sprinting. You 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 got tremendous coordination. There's a mental component. It's not an easy. It's one of the most difficult races in the whole of the Olympics. Yeah, I totally agree. Because you have something in front of you, and you're still trying to be as fast as you can, and then also try not to worry about the people that are next to you. So there is definitely a huge mental battle For when sure. it comes to that event. But um, yeah, just yeah. So and and is it are you is a person who obviously reaches that level supposed to be in such a stride that the hurdle becomes just a part of the part of the the, the race so to speak as opposed to doing a few little steps before yeah <laughs> it's definitely a part of the race my coach likes to he likes to say that um when we're running hurdles he wanted to seem like we're not running hurdles yeah yeah that's what i mean yeah so he's like i want you to be able to be so quick over the hurdle that it's like you're sprinting and you're not really hurdling Got it. So that's a concept that my coach likes to stick into our head. Okay, so we are coming to the end of 2019. What? How, how do things unfold now between now and the next Olympics, and just the whole process, the protocol, and you know what's what's the journey ahead for for you? And so next month, actually, I'll be starting my indoor season, and this uh, next year will be an indoor world championship. Okay. So I'm actually getting ready for that first. Okay. And then as once I'm done with the indoor season, I'll get ready for the Olympics, um, the Olympic trials and making the team. And so you, to, you go back to the beginning. I'm just like, the fact yeah, it's like all, everything all over again. Press reboot. Yep. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's one sec. So the Olympics, the what day of the Olympics isn't the the um, the sprinting is usually in the beginning or uh, I think it's like around the middle or the end to be quite honest I can't remember but I think it's like towards the end okay yeah and did you did you travel to Rio like at least sometime before just to acclimate I mean I'm sure that just altitudes different I mean the whole environment's different we actually didn't go to the opening ceremony <laughs> really yeah my coach didn't want us to go he's like it's a distraction so we wow. en- we end up leaving 
in just enough time to acclimate and yeah. get ready for our race. So we weren't there for like two or three weeks early. We we left in, in enough time to be able to just, adjust and race. That's interesting. That it, was the most important thing for us is to make sure we're focused and, and to ready peak to run. At, at just at just the right time. Yeah, that's fantastic. What what is there anyone else in your family? I mean, siblings or anyone else in the extended family that you know has your athletic prowess or your gift clearly. Oh, honestly, I don't know because no one else does any sports. So, so you're, you're it. <laughs> yeah, I'm it. I'm sure if any of my siblings were to get in sports, they would probably be good. But they're they're not doing any sports. So, I would imagine that that discipline must be one of the you know the the, the essential traits of performing at that at this level. Most definitely is definitely a huge component. Um, for me, I think that I had to learn how to be disciplined with my diet because sure. growing up, I wasn't taught great eating habits. Yeah, yeah. So it took a long time for me to be able to learn how to eat yeah. well and be able to feel my body in the proper way. Yeah. So here's, a, here's an interesting thing, uh, Brianna. When I've spoken to our listeners and I've, you know, we've done many focus groups, one of the things that I've found is that people always say that they like me to ask questions um, to people like yourself who've achieved, you know, um, whatever, whatever world standard is in your particular vocational discipline and specifically focus on some of the setbacks, some of the obstacles, you know, some of the bumps in the road. And I've, when, when I've sort of spoken to people as to why that's such an important sort of part of the discussion is I think people want to know you real and mm -hmm. people want to know that everyone who, you know, wants to achieve anything that's worthwhile, uh, you know, at an excellent level, nothing's handed to a person. And, and yeah. that I'm sure along the way, there've been times where you could have been tempted to say, you know, I'm throwing in the towel. Mm -hmm. Can you share with our listeners some, you know, some experiences, moments, incidents in your journey, you know, that were really challenging for you? Man, I feel like I have so many of those journeys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it back to high school okay. when I, um, I injured myself in my junior year, I like had a, a freaky accident. It was like a, I ripped my hip muscle off the bone. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that year I was, I had to finish my season and just kind of like let myself heal. The next, after that, my senior year, I was able to compete. I did well. And then fast forward to college, I had two stress fractures in my back. Oh my gosh. So yeah, my freshman year, I, um, I, I did my first, my whole indoor season and then going towards outdoor, I couldn't compete anymore. So I had to rest and recover and heal my back that year. And then going to my sophomore year, I injured my other side of my back. Oh my gosh. So, so you almost out for an entire- Two years, two, yeah. Two seasons back to back. Two, yeah, two seasons back to back. Okay. I had serious injuries. And um, I could have gave up then. I would but, imagine um, most people two years and say, you know what? Yeah. No cigar, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so- um. I so always wonder like why do I keep getting hurt like trying to figure out like why 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 me yeah but um I just stay persistent and I stay working hard and um I finally had my first healthy season in 2012 and wow. again that's when I realized that I could be good right. and I think that I was going through all those things just be just to you know sh I think that God was trying to show me like I need to yep. you know be disciplined and be yep. more serious and take my body more seriously and work hard and. You know, if I do those things, I can, you know, sure. accomplish much bigger things than I probably could ever imagine. But um, throughout those that journey, I just, you know, I just stay 
strong and not give gave up at all to be quite honest and i stayed faithful and just yeah. know that you know these are just moments in time that's going to teach me lessons yep. and at the end of the day and again like all things work out for our good and i just believe in that um wholeheartedly so it, it sounds like and it's uh, it's funny because i see this with a lot of successful folks that they seem to have the following comment just the philosophy in life that everything happens for a reason that um that it's for the good mm-hmm. and that you know when one when feels suffer or pain or disappointments that's part of the journey mm-hmm. and if it doesn't break you it's going to make you yeah let's switch gears and um again some of the other thoughts that people always ask me to uh to ask folks like you is there anyone that you could think of if you, if a genie came out of this bottle and said anyone that you could spend that spend 10 15 minutes alone anyone on the planet who is a hero who is hmm. someone who intrigues you who is dead or alive you know it could be someone who's passed away and by the way it could be it doesn't have to be a famous person it's usually very telling hmm. um, as to who someone like yourself <laughs> looks up to Oh, let me think. I'm sure it's not a question you've you've been asked every day. No, but um, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it's is it is it necessarily other athletes or you know those people who you think have achieved greatness or that you would look up to? Honestly, uh, I like music a lot, mm-hmm. so I think that. Artists like Kendrick Lamar and J. Mm-hmm. Cole, people that I can relate to and that have had journeys that struck in their music. They talk about times where they're struggled and, you know, they have they have, they have huge faith. So people like that is someone that I would like to actually meet, sit down and just, you know, have real conversation that's with. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right now, that's what I could think about. And honestly, Tupac, too. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> if I could bring him <laughs> back did. and talk to him and that's have a conversation, cool. that would be cool, too. So. We- if you were to start a family and, uh, you know, and, and one of your kids were to say, Mom, I want to be like you, <laughs> would you encourage, dissuade them, or just see how it plays out? Um, I would actually, I would encourage them, but I would also let them know that they will be the, themselves, their own selves. They'll be a better version of me, which is who they are. I will tell them to like, you know, find the good qualities in me and try Beautiful. to be your best self, you know? Yeah. But also let them know that I'm not perfect and no one is perfect, you know? That's very beautiful. <laughs> I think that people want to know that even a gold medalist is fallible, that, yeah. that, that no one's a... So I, I think the other the other thing as I was thinking of, you know, some of the things that we can chat about and I was brainstorming with some folks, I don't know why everyone, you know, the handful of people that help you put the show together, everyone seems to want to know the temptation to take performance enhancing drugs and just pushing the envelopes that you, because the pressure is, is so huge and the desire to be the best, um, how, how you know the, how much is the i don't know if it's the temptation or how much is that part of the psyche of an athlete of um you know should i should i cross the line and i'm saying i'm not suggesting that obviously you're a, uh, a person of faith and i think you're a person of absolute integrity but just being around olympians do you feel that that is a real factor in uh, at, at meets at that level 
Honestly, I this is just my opinion. Sure. I think that if people have to take anything to perform their to um, perform their increase their performance, then, then I think that they're they have lost themselves in the journey of it. Yep. I think that the sport has become much more important than um, yep. life itself, and I think that when you you know. When things like when you I guess get sidetracked with the important of what you're doing, right? You can you lose your way and you start doing things that you probably shouldn't do, right? So I think because um, I think I mean winning is great, it's awesome of course, but I think that it's much bigger than just winning, you know. I mean it's not life and death in this. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not the biggest thing like in the world. <laughs> no, it's amazing. You you seem to have such a a wholesome perspective, which is very healthy. Yeah. I want you to picture the scene. You are turning 90 years old. Mm-hmm. There is a one of these boom mics sort of going around the the, the living room. Cakes on the uh, on the table with 90 candles and you've got your significant other, you got members of your family. Mm-hmm. What do you want them to be saying about you? What what do you want before you blow out the candle each person <laughs> as the camera rolls? Um, he's going to talk about your legacy. What, you know, what do you, what do you want them to be saying? Honestly, I just would like them to say that I was a, a woman of God, of course, yeah. and that I had a great heart. Um, I serve people and just a good person overall. Honestly, that was, if I can hear that, that would make me, that would make my heart smile to the end of this world. Well, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's any consolation as I was preparing for our discussion today, I was looking at, you know, whatever interviews and YouTube stuff. Clearly, whoever, you know, at least whatever I saw, the theme is that you're just sincere, so likable. The the antithesis of arrogance, definitely not. Uh, that's the last thing that I think people and a gen, generally a selfless, kind person, which is I think that that kind of role model is what the world needs more of, you know, as opposed to uh, win at all costs. And no matter who you stand on along the journey. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's all about the gold. Mm-hmm. I want to be respectful of your time because I know that you um, you've got a, a, other uh, you know another integrators, but I I think that the one question I asked at least I try to ask all all our guests is there are right now and clearly there are going to be a lot of young women that are going to hear you um, during the formative years. You know, the, the, your reputation precedes you. What message would you want to impart um, for for young kids? You know, it could be women of color. It could be just a, if they hear someone like yourself, who in many ways has achieved things that they've only dreamed of. What uh, What are some of the uh, you know the if you will the, the the life vignettes that you would want to impart that hopefully can help them as tools as they begin their journey and. They go through their, you know, have to overcome their own hurdles. Yeah. Um, I would probably say that just believe in yourself and just know that everyone is going through something. Everyone is struggling with something and just you just got to embrace that struggle and not give up and believe that, again, all things will work out for you at the end of the day. And every everything you do, there is a lesson to be learned. And just believe that you can do anything that you put your mind to. Amazing. So I want to say this just to wrap up. Um, Brianna McNeil, I think uh, that you are someone 
who is a gold medalist on and off the track. I think that you're a tremendous role model to people. Um, so refreshing to see someone who's achieved the level of success that you have and maintained humility mm. and know that um, there's a much bigger picture, as wonderful as it is, to you know, win the, the, uh, the Olympic uh, gold medal. There's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wish you continued success. And hopefully um, we'll see you on the gold medal <laughs> uh, lectern, you know, the next time around. But either way, um, I think that you are, you are someone who's, who um, is, is going to win gold in life. <laughs> and thank you for being on the Anthony Gordon Show. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. I'm so excited that I was give, have given this opportunity. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.